All right, my sermon title today for you guys is who or what is, or who or what is my neighbor? All right, and the main passage is Luke 10, 25-37. I'm going to read it for us, and then we'll continue. All right, the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the, the, the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So we're the Lord. I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, just giving me this very last, uh, well, not, maybe not very last, but just uh, just last opportunity that I get to preach before I head off to seminary, Lord. Um, yeah, I just pray that you just use me as your mouthpiece and just give me the boldness and courage to just really preach. And uh, we just love you and we just lift you up in this time of worship, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start off with a story of last week. Pastor Kevin was, he actually asked me to go to homeless, uh, homeless ministry. And I went to homeless ministry. I came to church around 930 and they were packing uh, like barbecue stuff, they were packing musical instruments, and they were uh, packing all the stuff into the van. And we lifted up this, uh, that huge grill that's outside, we lifted it up and put it onto the, to the van, I mean to the, to the back, back of a pickup truck. And we drove to um, Gladys Park. And at that park, there was a, like a gathering of, of homeless people and um, just people just gathering. I think people from nearby communities, it's nearby Skid Row. So a lot of people from Skid Row, I believe, were there. And they were just at this community and we came and we set up this praise, um, this praise station. I don't want to say station, but we set up the stage in the middle and we, were pra- uh, we uh, brought out the praise music and we set up the barbecue grill in the back and we had this worship. And as we were doing this worship, I saw all these people coming in. And don't laugh at the descriptions, but some people had, like, holes in their clothing. Some people were, like, limping. Some people had missing teeth, just whatnot. You know, they were just, they, they looked like people from the streets. And they were just all at that homeless gathering. And I was just watching from afar, and I thought, wow, this is such a beautiful thing. And as I was uh, actually reading this um, parable of the Good Samaritan, I just kept thinking, I'm like, wow, we went to that park and we were really being Good Samaritans. We were, we were really um, doing what Jesus was uh, talking about in the parable. 
but as I was actually reading the parable and I was doing more research on the parable, that's actually not what Jesus was talking about. It's not about us going to a homeless park and being um, good Samaritans. That's not actually what a good Samaritan is. And that's not really what entails what being a good neighbor is. And so I got uh, three points for us today. And I'm going to start off with my first point. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so when I was at that homeless outreach, I was, uh, we were, when we were doing um, the, the feedings, we had grilled hamburgers and we were standing in line and I was uh, at the water station where I was just passing water out to people. And as the lines were going around, I saw multiple people going back in line, right, to get multiple burgers. And they would come to the water station and they would take one water and when I wasn't looking, they would take another water and another water and and they were going back in line, and I just, I, I was standing there, and I was um, at this homeless, homeless outreach, supposed to, like, really um, love on them, right? Supposed to be serving them, but I was actually in line, and I found myself actually, like, judging them. I was like, why are these people, like, going back in line, abusing, uh, abusing the, the system of getting burgers, and they're taking more, wa- they're taking more waters than they should, and I was just sitting there and I was abused. I mean, I was, I was judging them. And I realized that I wasn't loving them as a, as a neighbor. I wasn't loving them as myself because I know for a fact that if I was in that situation, if I was in their shoes, I would probably, you know, go back in line multiple times, try to get as many burgers as I can. I would probably try to get as many fresh waters as I can as well, just like they were doing. And... Yeah, I was just really sat there, and I realized I wasn't loving them as uh, myself, and I wasn't loving the neighbors. I wasn't loving my neighbors, and I wasn't treating them as, like, I would treat myself. So I, I ask you guys, why do you need to love your neighbors as yourself? And I'm going to tell you, it's because of the Imago Day. You guys might be asking, what is the Imago Day? Well, the Imago Day means basically the image of God. And in Hebrew, it's Tzelem uh, Elohim. And it's a concept and theological doctrine in Judaism and Christianity, which asserts that human beings are created in, in the image and likeness of God. So every single one of those homeless people, they had the Imago Dei. They, they represented people who had the image of God. And that means every single one of them had the inherent worth of a person that has the image of God. And in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created mankind in his image, male and female. And Genesis 5.1-2 says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. So I want to start off by making it clear, when I say the image of God, it doesn't mean that we look like God or our images resemble God. I wish, right? Because then if we, if we were walking on the, the street, we'd smile and like lights would be coming out, right? We'd be super handsome, super pretty. Not that we aren't super handsome, super pretty, but... <laughs> but yeah, what I'm trying to say is 
our image isn't actually reflecting God. But, but humans, when I say the Amalgadeh, the image of God, we're, I'm saying we are in the image of God in our, in our moral, spiritual, and intellectual essence. It means that humans reflect God's divine nature and their ability to achieve the unique characteristics in which they have been endowed. And these unique qualities make humans different from all creatures. We're able to be creative. We're able to uh, congregate with other, other people. We're able to um, show compassion on each other. We're able to be, I think we already said creative, but we have the potential for um, self-transcendence. And because we have the Amalgade, because we have the image of God, we're completely different from any other creation that God had made. We're special. We're, um, we have that worth of someone who has the image of God. And I have a, a little story that I want to relay. There was this girl that we were, um, there was a little girl at the mall, and she was walking by, and for some reason, she said this, um, this other girl was ugly. And, you know, just little kids saying, oh, mom, that, that girl is ugly. <laughs> and then the mom heard, and the little girl heard, and she's like, no, I'm not ugly. And she, heard, she said that out loud, right? So I'm not ugly. And the mom, of course, the mom is super embarrassed. She goes over to the other mom. I'm so sorry. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's young. But when she's making fun of another person, saying that person is ugly or or that person is stupid, or you know that person is a fool, or something like that. When you're dis- disparaging somebody, you're not giving them the respect of someone who has them all day. Because when you're actually being rude to to some to someone, in a sense, you're actually you can see it as being you're being rude to God. Because that person has the imago day. That person has the image of God. So when you're being rude to that person, in a sense, you can see it as you being rude to God directly. And that's not good. So I want to cap this, uh, this point off by saying every, every person has the Imago Day, And that's the reason you need to treat them as a neighbor. And that's why you need to treat them as you would, you would treat yourself, because you also have the Imago Day. My second point is you are not the Samaritan every time. You know, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest appeared to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side, so to a Levite. And when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. You know, a lot of the times when we hear this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, we automatically picture ourselves as the Samaritan, right? We put ourselves in the positions of the Samaritan. And so we make it, so we see the story through the eyes of the Samaritan, but I want to tell you guys it's so, so important to be able to put yourself into the shoes of every single character in this story. Because actually when Jesus was telling this, uh, this parable to the audience, the audience wouldn't have identified as the Samaritan because he was talking to um, fellow Jews, fellow Israelites. 
they would have identified as the beaten man. So when we, we, we need to realize within the parable, we can literally be any of these characters. We can be the Samaritan, which, you know, is, which is great, but we also need to be able to take the position of that Israelite, the beaten man. And what's interesting is both angles of being a good Samaritan and being the beaten man, I think, really show the, the kingdom ethics of, being, of what being a neighbor is. And while the good, uh, the good Samaritan shows the angle of one who practices the Imago Dei, who, who realizes the inherent worth of somebody and values outsiders as their neighbors, and um, the beaten man shows something different. He shows the, the ability and the humility to receive aid and help from an outsider. It shows the humility to know that we are not better than anyone else and to be humble enough to receive this aid. And when you become humble enough to receive this aid, that's when inevitably, inevitably you're able to see the other person as the Imago Dei. So when you're able to receive help from another person, you're able to lower your pride. You're able to see that you guys are equals. And it's not about this person's helping me because they're better than me, but it's about being brothers and it's about being together and re really realizing the inherent worth of each person. And one of the dangers is that oftentimes we can alienize or um, make other people into targets when we uh, make them to the other, others, like, like when the Israelites make the Samaritans to others. And in this, in this story, Jesus is actually uh, warning them, you know, the Samaritans, they're not lesser citizens. They're just as much, um, they're just as much, children of God. They, they belong to the family of God. They're just as much into the promise that Jesus has as, as the Israelites are. And you see this in the parable of the Good Samaritan, even though he knows that the most, most likely this man, he feels, uh, he most likely knows how he feels about his people. The Samaritan knows how the Israelites feel about his people. But he still goes out of his way to show him love and grace. And the crazy thing is, he even pays the innkeeper to make sure he has recovered enough. And I want to point out something. Uh, I think this is very relevant. I think this is also illustrated on the borders of the U.S. and Mexico. Because I, th I don't think if you ask the Latino, Latino migrant what they felt about Amer Americans, I don't think they would have many uh, negative things to say about us. Because they're all trying to, I don't want to say all of us, all of them, but a lot of them are trying to cross the border, try to come to America to look for a better opportunity, right? But I think, but if you were to ask a U.S. citizen about an illegal migrant, they most likely have, um, you know, some pretty negative feelings, some harsh words to say. So in America, it's pretty sad to say, but as a people of privilege, as the people on the other side of the border, we do not show, you know, the same love of God. We do not show what really what being a neighbor is all about, I think. Oftentimes, I believe it is the others, the other people, and, you know, maybe even the people across the borders that really are showing, having, showing the mercy of God. And I have a little uh, example that I got from reading this uh, article. And I think this little story illustrates the point that sometimes it's the other people, not, not us, that really show the heart of um, what being a, a real neighbor is all about. 
And on the borders of uh, U.S. and Mexico, there's, I don't, I don't know the exact name, but there's a, an area where it's pretty, uh, pretty rough. Uh, a lot of people are crossing. A lot of people aren't making it when they're crossing. And there's a, there's a, a volunteer group that goes into these areas, and they're looking for migrants that are either struggling, maybe don't have enough water, or don't have enough food. And they're looking to um, get in contact with them and maybe to help them out, maybe to help them across the border. But I have a little story for, um, that, sh that I think uh, really highlights this. It says, when a group of 20 immigrants came walking along a dry riverbed, a volunteer called out to them from a ledge on a hill and asked, is anybody injured? Do you need any food? Do you have any water? And suddenly the group of immigrants stopped. Unsure of who was speaking to them, they huddled together and deliberated a while. Then slowly the leader began walking toward the Samaritan volunteers and said, we do not have any more food and we only have a little bit of water. But if you are in need of it, we will share what we, will share what we have with you. So it's crazy. These... Um, these immigrants, the people who are struggling themselves, they go up above and beyond. I, I believe they really have the heart of, of being what a true neighbor is because even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of not having anything, they were willing to take these strangers and give them what little bit of water that they had left. And, you know, these refugees were most likely trying to escape their homes, you know, and they encounter a group of strangers, people different from themselves, different skin color, different, different languages. And knowing the situation that these people are in, it would have been completely logical for the people to, you know, approach the volunteers with hostility and suspicion. I mean, I know I would have. I probably would have been like, I don't want to give you any of my water. I don't want to give you any of my food. This is what very little I have left. Our, our group needs this, and I'm sorry, but tough luck. That's the position, honestly, I would have had. But these people, these, these people that we're, we're kind of persecuting, these people that we're making to others, they really have the heart and really they're showing the posture of Christ by really being open and really um, just accepting others and just giving what, what little that they had. And, you know, these people, they felt stirred within to see if the other group needed help. And they exhibited the recognition that the others had the Imago Dei. They recognized that all those other people have the images of God. And that's the reason that they needed to stop. And yeah, they needed to stop and really care for these other people. And I want to um, conclude this point by saying we need to be able to realize that we can also be saved. We're not the Samaritan every single time, but we can be the people that we're being it's not about having a hero complex or a savior complex, but it's about to have, having the humility to realize that everyone needs help and everybody needs to be able to, to receive that help. And there's also the dangers of having that hero complex. When you have that hero complex, you start to elevate yourself over them. You start to look, look at them as victims. And, and when you start to look at them as victims and you elevate yourself over them, you can, in a sense, see your, see, start to see them as inferior to you. And that's a danger. You dehumanize them in a way. And I think 
West, Western Christianity is, um, there's real danger in that. Every, Western Christianity is always trying to be about saving somebody, about going to, um, you know, foreign countries or the mission field and um, just trying to save them. When it should be really about, you know, serving them, being about living with them, trying to see what their life experience is about. And yeah, that homeless outreach also, it really taught me, like, what, what, commu- what communities should really look like because these people, you know, missing teeth, uh, different skin color, different, um, probably different addictions, different, um, different sicknesses, you know, people in wheelchairs, people in canes. It, does, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what, how they looked. It didn't matter what kind of sicknesses they had. But they were all there in that, in that group, in that center, you know, praising God. And there's actually this one man who was uh, standing in the back, and he was, uh, when, when there was, uh, the worship song was going out, he was, he was going nuts. He was singing his heart out. He, was, he had his arms uh, raised up, and I was like, wow, this guy is really worshiping God. He uh, doesn't have any shame. And I learned a lot from just watching that guy. And if I had that, um, if I had that, uh, that kind of air of being superior to him and um, judging him, I, maybe I wouldn't have uh, been able to sit back here now and just uh, really see what, what that guy taught me about being open, being about um, being, being accepting to others. That guy really, you know, really taught me. And I think he really showed me what, you know, being really, what really being a neighbor is all about. And, you know, yeah, we can also, sometimes we can also be um, the priest and the Levite. Can't leave that out. We can sometimes, be, you know, we sometimes we literally just overlook our own brothers and sisters. We pass them by and don't do anything about it. I think, you know, m- maybe the very first sermon I did I talked about homeless people and how we should, you know, just acknowledge them at least. And I was thinking about that uh, as I was doing, uh, writing, this, uh, writing this point and um, preparing for this message, and I think, I think that's so true. I think uh, we need to, you know, there's so many days where we walk by, we see homeless people, we, don't, we act like we don't see them, we just walk by. And that's so messed up, right? Because <laughs> I've been preaching about how everybody has the Imago Dei. That means they also have the Imago Dei. That means they also have the image of God as well. So can you just imagine, you're just walking by and this person is talking to you but you don't acknowledge them. You don't acknowledge that they also have the Imago Dei, and you just walk by. That's not, I don't think that's what being a neighbor is about, and I don't think you can really call yourself a neighbor if you're doing that. And, yeah, I mean, I think we can at least acknowledge them, and that's the least we can do. Give them the dignity of someone who really has that Imago Dei. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say I have the solution to tackle the problems of, you know, all this homelessness. But like I said, I think one step we can take is to at least acknowledge those people and to, you know, say hi or to maybe just say what's up and not just ignore them. All right, my final point is not who is my neighbor, but how can I become a neighbor? So when that expert in the law, he was, when he asked that question to Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
He was actually trying to get Jesus to, uh, to falter. It was really a loaded question. Um, he was trying to get Jesus to qualify who is a neighbor. But for the Jews, um, a neighbor was simply just a fellow Jew, a fellow, fellow Israelite, someone who was a part of the community, not, not a Samaritan, not an outsider, not a foreigner, but simply just another Jew. That's who, who a neighbor was to a Jewish man. But, you know, we know Jesus is not someone who's uh, part of the status quo. He's, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he flips systems on its heads and he doesn't, you know, just live by the status quo. And so Jesus was going to answer the expert's question, but not in the way that the expert was expecting it. He was going to say to the expert a lot, it's not about who is my neighbor, but it's about how I can become a neighbor. You know, without a doubt, you know, that the expert in the law, he was really trying to get Jesus to qualify the Romans as being neighbors. Because if he got Jesus to qualify the Romans as, as neighbors, it would have looked bad. It would have looked bad on Jesus because Jesus was saying these, these Romans, these people who are um, making us a vassal state who are, who are having power over us. These people are actually our neighbors too, and we need to love them as well. And that would have been so shocking for the Jews, Jewish people. And a lot. Of, I think um, the whole point for that expert in the law, he was trying to get the Jews to turn on Jesus because if Jesus said that, they would have been like, whoa, Romans is our neighbors? I don't think so. But Jesus is that countercultural. Jesus is that revolutionary that he was saying, no, Romans, foreigners, whatever, they're all your neighbors. You should love them all the same. And so Jesus was actually going to use probably one of the most extreme examples to showcase of what being a neighbor really is about. So he uses the example of the Samaritans. And let me give you a little brief um, history on the Samaritans. The Samaritans regard themselves as the original Israelites. And in the Bible, they are described as foreign people brought to Israel in 701 BC after the Assyrians conquered Judea. The Samaritans viewed themselves as the descendants of the remnant population of Judea. Oh, that's wrong. Okay, following the Assyrian conquest, scholarship tends to support the Samaritan view. You know, this parable of the Good Samaritan, I believe, is the epitome of what, of being what, of what being a neighbor truly is. You know, this parable was meant to be controversial because Jesus knew the attitude that the Israelites, the Jewish people had about foreigners, about outsiders. He knew, he knew that they didn't like them. He knew that they were suspicious of them. But the thing was, the Samaritans were not actually to totally foreign people, but actually had, you know, major ties to the Israelite people. In a sense, you could say they were uh, brothers and sisters because they had a connection, but the Israelites saw the Samaritans as not not full, 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 full breeds, so that they kind of saw them as outsiders, less um, kind of dirty, I guess. Yeah, and the Samaritans actually had a very bitter history with the Israelites, dating back all the way to the split of the kingdom. And the Samaritan people and the Israelites, they didn't get along. And oftentimes when the Israelites were traveling, instead of cutting through this land where the Samaritans lived, they would actually go around in a huge circle. That's how much they disliked the Samaritans. That's how much they didn't want to, to commune with the Samaritans that they would actually make a journey 
go days longer instead of just going straight through. So they even thought, many, many Jews even regarded the Sumerians as ignorant, superstitious, and outside of God's favor and mercy. So culturally speaking, when Jesus spoke this parable, and when he uses Samaritans as an example, he was doing so with a purpose. He knew exactly what he was doing. The Samaritans were the prime example of, uh, of what he was trying to showcase of what being a neighbor, a neighbor is really about. His intent is on speaking these parables was that he was trying to divide, to drive home the point of what a neighbor truly is. So his parable was actually a response to a challenge from the lawyer who tried to trip him up in a debate. Who is my neighbor was a question that the lawyer asks. But asking this question, the lawyer throws the onus back on Jesus to explain himself. But once again, Jesus does not give him a direct answer, nor does he you know, enter a debate with him. But simply, he just tells him this, this truly compelling story that everyone listening, including the expert, would have would only find the answer to the question, but would also be challenged from that point forward to consider everything they did in the light of uh, God's all-encompassing all love. And um, I have this uh, quote from a biblical scholar, Gloria Schaub. She examines the parable and makes this, some very interesting points. Schaub examines the story in the Gospel of Luke about, about the Good Samaritan. She points out that the parable of the Good Samaritan is noteworthy because it shows the nature of the law, the nationality of the Samaritan, and the notion of what a neighbor is. She highlights the example of the Samaritan who was an alien in the Jewish territories and viewed as a social outcast. All the ethnic stereotypes would have been known by the readers and listeners of the parable. Seeing the parable of the Good Samaritan, the question of who is my neighbor seems like a fair question to ask Jesus. But it seems that Jesus was aiming for something even more controversial than that. He was looking for something truly countercultural an answer he wasn't looking for. He was looking for a truly countercultural answer. He wasn't looking for who is my neighbor, but how can I be a neighbor? And I have one last quote. It's actually from uh, Pope John Paul II. And it says, for Christians, every human being is a neighbor to the love, to the loved ones. And they should not ask whom, whom one should love because to ask who's my neighbor is already to set limits and conditions. One day Jesus was asked this question and he responded by turning it around. It is not who is my neighbor, but to whom I should become a neighbor. And that is the right question. And the answer is everyone in need, even if a stranger to me becomes a neighbor, I must help. And the parable of the Good Samaritan invites everyone to reach out. Yeah, so beyond the bounds of justice and the perspective of gratuitous and unlimited love, it wasn't even... It wasn't even the own people that ended up helping the man, but the Samaritan. You know, for the Jews hearing this, the fact that the Samaritan was the man that would have, uh, that was the one actually helping the Israelite man, it would have blown their minds. It wouldn't made sense to them because for the Israelites, they wouldn't have never pictured helping a Samaritan man. And they couldn't have pictured a Samaritan man helping a fellow, another Jewish man. But if a Samaritan man would be able to help a Jew, then a Jew could help a Samaritan as well. And I think that holds the same for us as well. This, this parable is all about inclusivity, including all people in the kingdom of God. Not just caring for other Jews or other Christians, but to go above and beyond and include all people, all creeds, and all nations. It can mean congregating with 
Jews, Muslims, and other peoples, it doesn't matter. Everyone, like this quote said, everyone can become a neighbor, and you must help. And Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 5.14 says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so to conclude, how does one become a neighbor? It means going above and beyond. It means treating every single person like they truly are the images of God, like they truly have the Imago Dei. It means acknowledging the person, realizing that the person is of worth. But it also is about realizing that being a good neighbor is also realizing you can be both the Samaritan and the beaten man on the road. It's not a hero complex where part of being a neighbor is all about giving help, but it's also about being able to receive that help. And most of all, like Jesus says, go and do like go and do likewise. Show mercy on others. That's what being truly that's what truly being a neighbor is all about. So let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, just giving us the parable of the Good Samaritan, just giving us the blueprint on how we can become better neighbors, Lord. I pray that we can just live these truths out in our our daily lives, just be able to acknowledge even uh, just a homeless man on the street, acknowledge them as someone who's valuable, someone who has the image of God, Lord. And um, thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.